Okay. Uh, welcome everybody to the XX Mormon podcast. We want to spend a few minutes today talking about the devil of Mormonism and how Satan really becomes constructed as a demigod, if not in the scripture, but in the actual discussions and, and actual practice of the church. So there's a story in Mormon folklore of Heber C. Kimball. So he was one of the first apostles and he's on a mission in England and they're about to baptize a bunch of people. But the night before in their apartment, one of his missionary companions gets possessed and then they bless him and they try to do an exorcism. And then the devil jumps off of the guy they exercise and jumps into Heber C. Kimball. And then Heber C. Kimball falls down as if he's dead. And then one of his companions blesses Heber and rebukes the devil. And as he does that, they get wrapped in a vision of the infernal world and they see a space open up in the wall and they see legions and legions of devils and, and, and they're all rushing at them and trying to kill them. And they're gnashing their teeth and yelling. And they stared at this thing for an hour. And I was 12 when I found this story in a church book. Then I ended up serving my mission here. And we actually did like a tour of church history sites on the mission for a zone conference. And we, I've got a picture of myself outside of this house where this supposed satanic visit happened. And it was like, it was almost like a joke. But I read this story when I was 12 and I was absolutely terrified because I thought it was real. Yeah. Right. And you get a lot of other folk tales and the other things you hear about the devil when you're in the church and his power, it makes you very, very uncomfortable to talk. Like I couldn't talk to my parents about this. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I was, I was afraid to talk about it for fear of invoking the devil Mm -hmm. and making him appear. Yeah. So the devil had this real kind of power over my life, right? This fear of demonic possession and visitation really, I was more afraid of that than I was certain I was going to feel the Holy ghost mm-hmm. to be totally honest with you. I, and, and so um, like this all happened to me when the internet was still a bit new and it wasn't full of total skeptics. So you, we talked about the devil at church and like, people who had seen the devil and people who cast out demons on their missions, like all the time. And, and nobody really had the ability to say, you know, Oh, well, like, you know, I was reading in this forum and, or whatever. Right. And I found out about all these satanic visit stories and they're all a bunch of bunk. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me as a young person, that story was just very, very vivid and very, very real. And then there's more stories I'd hear about, like about, you know, uh, kids playing Ouija board in the chapel and they had to like rededicate it and, or like the parents come home from dinner and the babysitters like suspended floating over the kitchen table and there's candles and whatever. And (laughs) the the power of the priesthood in the father, when he returns home, makes all, you know, the devil disappears and the girl stops floating and all these kinds of stories. But really like, as I unpack this and think about it, Satan in Mormonism, and I'd say in Satan and other fundamentalist religions, he's not a supernatural being. He is like a demigod. He is, he has power in comparison to God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you get uh, what's his nuts in the Book of Mormon, like Korhor or something, who's like using the power of the devil or, you know, something. And there's always this weird thing about how my my parents taught me or at least my mom taught me that we had 
there was there was God's power, and that was the priesthood, but then there was also Satan's power, and it was also real, and that people could, you know, do priestedy things, and that, like, witchcraft was, like, basically the priesthood, but coming from Satan, you know, like, it was, like, he yeah. has, like, a real force on the world. He's not just this imp that afflicts people or whispers in people's ears. He can actually, and Joseph Smith illustrates that in one of the versions of the first vision, right? Is He's overcome mm-hmm. by this dark power that binds his tongue and he can't talk. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, like that is one way that Satan is a demigod in Mormonism is that he actually has this physical power. He can control and manipulate things in the, fi- sorry, in the material world. Mm-hmm. He's also a literal spirit son of God. And that's like a thing with demigods is that they're descended from gods. Right. 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 Yeah. It's like a, like a so, Tolkien thing. He's like a Balrog. If anybody yeah. knows about Tolkien's mythology, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but yeah. So he's descended of a God. He has power to intervene in the affairs of mortal people and he can change outcomes with his power. Mm-hmm. So he's not just an influence. Like in Mormon folklore, Satan has power to do things, right? He can physically interact with us. Um, He can make you do things or say things that you would not do in your right mind. And you dare not speak his name or talk about him too much unless he, you invoke him. Right. And it's like the flip side of how we talk about the Holy ghost, right? Because if you if you say certain things and the Holy ghost will appear, if you say certain other things, the devil will appear. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're equal in power, just on opposite sides of the good evil spectrum. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and then I think there's now there's more of a tendency because people started blaming things on the devil. Oh, the devil made me do it. You know, devil made me do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now I find a lot of people instead of going with the, idea of oh the devil can make you do things it they they say oh well it's it's always your choice right and and they sometimes people downplay that part of the mythology and say oh he can't actually like make you do anything but then also you've got um you've got the holy ghost can't make you do things and yeah there's this whole weird weird thing i had a friend who had a like a a dark spirit in their room and they asked they asked their dad to come in and use the priesthood to cast it out right and their dad had this kind of uh like bored feeling about him like almost almost like a Oh, you're just scared of shadows. Like there's nothing here, but he goes in and casts out the spirit. And so I think some people's parents are like skeptical of that even. Do you, you know? Like I've talked to my parents as I've gotten older and they are very skeptical, mm-hmm. which is surprising because my parents are in some ways very literal, but there's certain things that are even too ridiculous for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Dad, like I was literally afraid of demonic possession from age 12 till about 28, you know? (laughs) And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, well, dad, let's look at, let me tell you like four or five of the things I read in manuals when I was younger. He's like, oh, I never knew you were taking it so seriously. And I'm like, well, 
I didn't know how I could talk about it. Cause if I talk about it, I'm going to like summon him. My yeah. dad's like, Oh yeah, you're right. Like, that's weird. Yeah. That's weird, son. You're right. That's weird. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love how it's like this, uh, how as a kid, cause I had this said to me a lot as a, as a teenager, I would read the scriptures. I would think, Oh, this is what it says. That must be what it means. And then I would go and I would take it literally. And then my yeah. parents and my leaders would like, oh, no, 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 you're taking the gospel way too seriously. I'm like, what else am I supposed to do with it? Like, am I supposed yeah. to like, oh, ha, 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 you know, yeah, the gospel, but it's not like really real, but we pretend it's real for the kid. You know, there's this weird, yeah. weird thing going on that that people do where they balance like, yeah, we show up to church and we also encourage everybody to go on a mission and to preach the gospel and to convert as many people as possible and, you know, pay your tithing and do all these things and follow the commandments. Oh, but don't take it too seriously. Like, it's just kind of yeah, a thing yeah. we do. And it's it, like, yeah. what else am I supposed to do with it? Supposed to do. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I know. Um, I remember when I turned 12 and we were going to go on a youth temple trip, I asked my dad before we went, I said, dad, do you think I'll see an angel? And he almost laughed because he thought it was so ridiculous. Yeah. Right. But he total, true, strong believer. And then I, yeah, I just remember him being shocked by the question. But the reason why I asked was I'd heard all these other folk tales of like, my parents said when they got sealed, they could see my grandma who was dead in the ceiling room. And I'm like, I'm, I'm basically going to the temple for the first time, not knowing if I'm walking into a ghost house or not. Right. If yeah. I'm just going to see spirits wandering the hallways and how will I know they're spirits versus real people? And I, I tried to see spirits when I first did baptisms. We probably first did baptisms yeah. at the same temple. And you know how it's like huge, right? There's like all this space around yeah. the baptistry. Like it's massive. Yeah. And I would look at all the benches thinking like, okay, you know, where, where are the spirits going to sit? You know, yeah. <laughs> like trying to find them. And then, yeah, and then and then you talk to people who've had these experiences, who talk about, oh, how they saw so-and-so, right? And then you you get talking to them, and if you really get down into it, they're like, oh, well, I didn't, like, see them, <laughs> right? I felt, like, I felt them. Yeah, and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> why did you say in your testimony, I saw them as clearly as I'm seeing you today? You, oh, well, I felt them, you know, in such a clear way that it seemed like, it's like, why couldn't you have been more specific before I took everything you said literally? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. There, what does that even mean to feel the presence of somebody? Like I, if I'm sitting in a room with my mom or sitting in a room with my dad, if I can't see them, like I don't know that they're there or not i've how do you feel somebody's presence right what does that even mean right i think it's literally just oh i feel warm and fuzzy and now yeah. you know that must mean because you've been primed to you know think but they set set the water temperature perfectly right like yeah yeah <laughs> you know like the yeah. amount people look at the temple and they're like oh what a beautiful building i'm like you don't realize like how much other little things that they do to make it feel right. Like they engineer the temperature 
between the uh between the terrestrial room and the celestial room and the celestial room like they figure out what's going to prompt the spiritual experience right like yeah they yeah. know about that <laughs> yeah and like it's all just playing with your feelings it's the same thing if you go to disneyland and you're on one of their you know on one of their virtual rides where the thing is like 4d and it's rocking back and forth and you've got 3d glasses on and you can feel the little bits of air like they think about these things you know yeah oh they should have a 4d temple experience i'd go back for that <laughs> oh yeah yeah they're like you see <laughs> I, like the church experiences the church videos are almost made like pixar shorts right like what was that short one with Incredibles? It was called like Bao or something. It's about a Chinese oh. lady who like kid becomes yeah. a rice bun. I love that one. It's so cute. But it's, but like, if you take a step back to think about it, you're like, this is absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I'm like almost at tears over this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's and telling so, a good story. Exactly. So it's no real surprise that the church can make you feel those things the same way a, a short, uh, a Pixar short can. Um, people, people want so to know the answers to life's questions. They want to have purpose and meaning, and the church gives them that yeah. in you know in a nice story. So people eat it up. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like when we talk about demonic possession, like uh, Radio Free Mormon actually did do a great episode. Um, digging into and talking about Mormon's stories about possession. So I just like, if you want really like a technical and historical analysis on it, you can go to that episode. We're going to probably just spend more time talking about like what we heard growing up about the devil and kind of like where our fear came from. So what did you hear about Ouija boards when you were growing up? Uh, that they were like, that not that they worked, but that they like the idea of them was the invitation, if that makes sense. Like yeah, not that they yeah. were doing anything magical, but that it was the idea of it that oh, would invite they, dark spirits. Right. So the fact that you're trying to communicate with the other world, only, only satanic spirits will come and answer that call. It won't be any of the righteous spirits if you, because Satan's a great imitator. So he's going to try and imitate the power of prayer through this board mm -hmm. and he's going to make devils appear, but tell you that they're angels. Like that's, that was what, what kind of stories did you hear? Like I talked about the rededicating the chapel. What other folk tales did you hear about Ouija boards? Um, none really about Ouija boards. Like, uh, right. Yeah. I never heard like a ton of, a ton of stories about Ouija boards specifically, but mm -hmm. definitely like, we we had discussions about it like it was talked mm -hmm. about saying oh if you're at a friend's house and they pull out a ouija board you know like you leave you Come know home yeah, yeah. And, and looking back i'm like do i know anybody who like owned a ouija board as a child yeah <laughs> like i'm like was that just something that i was told would happen because there are a lot of those things i was told would happen that n never even kind of sort of happened i never had a friend yeah. say oh let's put on this r-rated nudity filled movie 
I never had that experience, but I was told like, oh, if you go over to a friend's house, they're going to, they're going to try and put this movie on and you, you got to run like Joseph running from Potiphar's wife. Yeah. And it was like, that never happened. That like never even came close to happening. The only time I was at somebody's house and they put on a movie uh, that had nudity in it was a young men's activity. What movie was it? I think it was Joe Dirt. I just, I, 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 that was the only time I've ever seen that. And I just remember my young men's leaders putting it on us watching. And then at one point they just said, all right, boys, cover your eyes. Right. That's all I remember. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I, we watched liar, liar at like a deacon's activity and my mom lost her shit when she found out. Does that have nudity in it? No, but it's got like some crude humor, but even Uh, like, it's not. And especially like now it would be very, very tame. Right. 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 But at the time it was, at the time it was a big deal and that it could have been done at a church activity. Isn't that funny? Like the idea with the, yeah. Like the Lord's standards never change, but over time they kind of erode away. Yeah. And they like, they keep up with the MPAA. That's the most amazing thing, right? Is that God has inspired the motion picture, you know, rating agency to have standards that line up with his, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredible, but only in the U S in, in Canada, apparently we're, we're more evil, right? We've, we've got more lax ratings. So I think like just the, the underlying idea with having to rededicate the chapel after kids play with a Ouija board in it, it shows that God is powerful, but Satan is actually more powerful. Yeah. Like if you bring it, why isn't the Ouija board burning up? Why is it permitted to tarry within the walls of the Lord's church? In fact, bringing a, a devilish artifact into a church overpowers the power of God on that church. <laughs> and, and God has to get his church rededicated. Satan doesn't have to get his Ouija board reconsecrated. That thing is powerful no matter what. Right, it's... right. <laughs> oh no, you took that into a church. We need to we need to we cleanse need to re... it of the heavenly powers. Yeah. Like Yeah, that So that like that's what I'm saying about like Satan is a demigod in in without explicitly saying it, but just the the way we talk about him mm-hmm. and his power within the Mormon church, it's almost like he's more powerful you were talking before about like uh you know the power of satan to lead people astray or whatever it's not just that he influences people some some listeners may have experienced this firsthand where people are like you have been blinded by satan Mm. and that is why you're leaving the church god can't blind you into being in the church right but satan can blind you and manipulate you to an extent where you can't do things that you normally would do. And that's why you're leaving the church. So Satan actually has power to override agency without anybody explicitly saying that just the way they talk about him. Satan can overpower your, your choice. I've been deceived. Yeah, exactly. And so how, why is it so easy for Satan to deceive us if the church is so obviously true? Hmm. Let me think on that one. Yeah. Could it it Um, be that the church isn't true? That could be it. (laughs) That 
yeah, I just say that that's a little too obvious. <laughs> but that, that it's can't like the be easy the answer. answer, right? That can't be the, I know it's very easy and right in front of us, but it, that can't be the answer. Um, did you ever hear things about the movie, the exorcist? Um, never any like folklore things from what I understood. That was like a weird thing. Catholics did was exorcisms. But you never saw the movie or heard about the movie or. Oh, I've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know, yeah. I know what it's about. I've never seen it though. So like I watched probably half of it at a friend's house, uh, when I was like 14 and, um, there's a lot of things in there where if you're religious, it's just, it's not just that it's satanic. There's things that you just find sacrilegious. So it's like an emotional overload to all your religious sensibilities. And I didn't make it through the whole thing. And then my parents had to pick me up, but I slept with a, I was 14 and I slept with a, the light on in my room, not like a nightlight, like the light in my room was on for at least two weeks straight. That wow. that was how much this movie affected me. And just it building on, you know, that story from church history that I'd read when I was about 12 and watching this movie when I'm 14, the reality, the potential reality of a satanic visitation became more and more real in my mind. I was actually like very much paranoid about having a satanic visit. And then I'm in seminary in grade 12. So like four years later, and our seminary teacher says that this is the only movie that the, the first presidency actually explicitly banned or told members not to watch. Really? And this was before. Yeah. So this would have been 2005. So nobody had like a smartphone and the internet was mostly used for like watching a Homestar runner. So you're too young for Homestar runner. I am. You didn't get there. Oh my God. It was like this flash animation that was done in like the early two thousands. And that was like all we did. So we didn't really know. Nobody was in the habit of using the internet for widespread fact checking in 2005. So he says this thing, nobody's got a smartphone to challenge him on it. And then nobody's going to think about it when they go to the library at school to use the internet, right. To, to test this out and and see if it's true. But I, and, you know, I have tried to find a press release from the church and they never talked about this movie, but my teacher says this. And I think, Oh my gosh, I saw that movie and the church actually banned it. Like this, devil is literally following me around like it is only a matter of time before i get possessed and or... this podcast is the culmination it's it's over like this is the, <laughs> this, is the this is it this is this the day yeah the... <laughs> i'm gonna like, i'm say... gonna get a text from you tomorrow saying i definitely got possessed <laughs> yesterday gotta go back to church oh, thanks for doing the podcast the, you know, the literal fear of that happening I was more afraid of that happening than it was like, that was more plausible in my mind than me seeing an angel. That is how powerful I think the discussion about the power of the devil is, is that I was more convinced of the possibility of seeing a devil than I was of seeing an angel. Do you, you know, I wonder about all these people who have these possession stories and stuff, like what actually happened, right? Like Heber C. Kimball, like what actually happened when, you know, when he had this possession thing and cast the devil out, like what actually went down, it, you know, yeah. like were, were they just in a frenzy, right? You meet Pentecostals 
who speak in tongues, but it's literally just gibberish. Like it's nothing, right? Yeah. Like you've got to be so wildly convinced to hysterically fake a demon possession. Like, and think that it's real. Like work yourself up into being possessed. That's crazy. Well, like the thing with the Heber C. Kimball story is that it was actually all three people who were involved would talk about this story, like at general conferences and stuff like that, and make reference to this story. So it was like they all had this shared hysteria where this happened, right? Yeah. It's wild. And it, yeah. And I, yeah. (laughs) So like, that's it for the exorcist mission stories. Have you heard any mission stories about yes. the power of the devil? Yeah. Yes. What have you heard? Yes, yes, what yes. stories have you heard? <laughs> yes. Uh, I, had, I had one friend serve in Italy. And uh, it's a she. So she was in her apartment. And she had to call the elders over to like cast out a devil from their apartment. And, you know, and like, it's just like, I've never, you know, like, am I not righteous enough to have a devil chase after me? You know, people on their missions always talked about how there's more devils around them because they're doing the Lord's work. Yeah. When, when really all it is, is this is all you're thinking about every single day. This is all you're expected to do. You're hearing this lore, you're hearing these stories, you're talking to other missionaries, right? And then you're like, you're experiencing these things because there's nothing else going on in your life. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my theory at least. But yeah, they, they called the, the elders in and they cast out the devil and then it was all fine. It was perfect then, which... I want to know, like, what was actually wrong? You know, oh, I felt a dark presence, right? That's what they say. Mm -hmm. I felt a dark presence. Maybe you were depressed. Like, maybe you had a bad day. Do you know how many people are depressed on their missions, right? Like, uh, all of them. Yeah, all of them. And they just think, (laughs) oh, you know, it's it's just, you know, uh, the devil. (laughs) It's like, no, you're sad. Like, you need help, like actual, real, live help. So that's the that's the biggest mission story. Nothing like super, super crazy, but the elders saved them. So happy ending. Right. We The missionaries in our basement told us it was the first companionship we rented to. And they told us they were praying one night and they were like, oh, we forgot to dedicate the apartment. And so they pray to dedicate the apartment. And then they had this dresser that was between their two beds. And they said they, it was like the middle of the night. It was like, just before they went to bed, they didn't have any lights on. They dedicate it. And just after they finished dedicating it, this dresser falls over, but like it fell over sideways, like a way a dresser would not fall over. Like you'd expect one to fall forward or fall back, mm-hmm. but they're like, but it fell over like sideways. <laughs> We're like, whatever guys. <laughs> they're like, no, it really happened that way. I think. We cast the demon out and it knocked over the dresser to let us know we were there on its way out. (laughs) It's so funny. And 
you know, maybe somebody who believes would take all of these stories and say, well, that doesn't that prove that it's true? Like all of these things happen. Yeah. And it's like, uh, well, I mean, would you say the same thing about somebody having a similar experience, but with Hinduism, right? Like with a different religion, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. There, uh, what what's another one? I home taught a guy who is schizophrenic and I remember him telling me like, you know, there's angels are real. And I was like, Oh, of course. Yeah. And he's like in devils too. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I can see them. And I'm like, Oh really? And he's like, yeah, the Holy ghost is actually standing right over there. And I was like, no, no way. Like, Oh man. And then he's telling me, he's like, I had to drive to the church at one in the morning because Satan was chasing me. And, and all these ravens were attacking my windshield while I'm driving. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's having hallucinations. But it just kind of, it rhymes with, you know, their hallucinations just take on the form of things that they're told they would hallucinate in the church, right? Right, exactly. Like the church gives them an explanation for weird things happening. What they're seeing. Mm-hmm. And then um, there was this one other story I, I heard where <laughs> they they had like a uh, a mental, you know, care home asylum or whatever by where they lived and on the street, they'd see a bunch of people who were, you know, mentally ill and they would talk about seeing devils and they'd ask the missionaries to pray with them and cast out the devils. And they're like, we did. And at first it was like, Oh my goodness, this is crazy. But then we'd see them like a couple of weeks later. And instead of seeing devils, they were seeing angels because we blessed them. And then I realized that like these possession things never happened. Like that was the the moral of the story, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, even, you know, I, I know a, a lot of women who get blessings all the time and yeah. generally their husband ends up kind of becoming skeptical of it because they're like, I gave you a blessing yesterday. Like what is another one today going to do for you? Yeah. And right. and they get like annoyed with having to give this blessing to to their wife or significant other or whoever, because it's like, like I think everybody on some level comes to the point where they're like, nah, <laughs> you know, it might not be. So I've true. seen too much, right? Yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah. And well, I guess, and then they end up giving the blessing and feel the spirit or whatever. And then they go to testimony meeting and say, my wife had been asking me for a blessing every day for the last week. And after, I was very skeptical of her woman problems, but after giving her the blessing, we all felt the spirit so strong. I realized that women are much more in touch with the spirit than men are. Right. Or whatever, right, right. Right. We've all seen that story. Right. 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 Or, or they give a blessing every day for the week of their of their period, and then it's like, oh, and at the end of the week, it was gone. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, <clears throat> oh, do you know like oh, how this works? Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh. you know, people. I love. I love the stories when people like bear their testimony and they're like so firm in their faith about it. And they're like, there I was at the bedside of my dying child. I had been Mm -hmm. crying and crying and pleading with the Lord to save my child's life. 
And then I gave my child a blessing and I said, do as the Lord's will or whatever. And then the next day they died. And they're like, <laughs> that just gave me such a strong testimony that God does whatever he wants. Like is basically what they're saying, right? They're like, yeah, I'd yeah. like to bear my testimony that everything is on God's timing. Okay, you're literally bearing your testimony that you have so little control in your life. <laughs> and like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, I'd like to bear my testimony that my agency is, for the most part, useless, and God's going to have his yes. way with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, I can. Uh, yeah, I've got a story about that for another time. Um, just about total feeling a loss of control over my life. And pretty much because I was trying to put God in control of everything. Um, I was going to tell another story about uh, the power of Satan um, or with blessings. Oh, when I was on my mission, it's the north coast of Wales, and there were three areas. We were all in the same district, and they were all about 30 miles, you know, like 50 kilometers apart from each other. Mm -hmm. And so the um, the sisters were in the, the area that was kind of furthest east. Me and my, compa my companion was the district leader. We were in the area furthest west, and then there was an area with elders right in the middle. So, I mean, like 100 kilometers probably across from west to east, and then the other companionship in the middle. And my companion gets this phone call. He says, the sisters need a blessing. And I'm like, well, they're all the way in like, like they're a hundred kilometers away. We're not, he's like, well, we're going to meet them halfway. And I'm like, in the area where the other elders are, why don't they just talk to the elders in the area that we're driving to? No, no, no. The mission president told me I have to take care of sisters specially. So we're going to drive out and meet them. Like, well, where are we going to meet him? Because that ward didn't, or that branch didn't have a chapel. So we had like no place we could just meet up. So then we phoned a member and we're like, hey, uh, the sisters from, you know, the next town over is, have asked us to give them a blessing. We want to meet halfway. Can we give them a blessing at your house? They're like, uh, okay. And then we show up and the husband's home from work or something like that. And he's putting on his white shirt and tie to give a blessing. We're like, oh no, we don't need you to give a blessing. We just needed somewhere to meet up so that my companion can give them a blessing. They're like, Oh, okay. But like just this belief in magic powers of the district leader to give blessings. Anyway, while we're talking about sisters asking for crazy blessings, that was my little divergence. It's like the lengths, the lengths that Mormons go to, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And then that was when we walked away from where I was like, this was the biggest waste of time. And my district leader companion is like, sisters just understand the workings of the Lord better than we do. And I'm like, this was the biggest, this took like four hours out of our day. Like, yeah, <laughs> this was so useless. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and there, when people are like, oh, well, God loves, God loves the sisters more, you know, people say mm -hmm. stuff like that, yeah. but then they're like, oh, but they have to go find a man so that they can get these blessings <laughs> for them, you because know? Because that's how special they are. Yeah, I know. It, that would be an interesting thing to talk about later. Yeah. Another story from my mission about the power of the devil was that um, we were teaching this family, or is a single mom and her two kids, 
and her son had some mental health issues. I think like he had ODD and ADD and all these kind. Anyway, him and his mom get into a big fight. And this is like the week before they're supposed to get baptized. And she says, she's telling us this story. She's like, he picked up a knife and he was like, gonna, I didn't know if he was going to try and kill me or not. So I had to, you know, restrain him until the police came <laughs> and we're like, okay. She's like, yeah. So I had a smoke after that. Cause I was just too torqued up. I couldn't handle any. We're like, okay. And then my companion's like, well, Satan knew that you were going to get baptized. So he triggered this event for your son to, you know, have this homicidal outburst so that to force you to smoke again. And like, there's a lot of things wrong with that whole experience. One being that this woman is actually having a problem in her life. And we're talking about supernatural beings forcing her son. We're not doing anything helpful. And then the second thing was, was she no longer felt responsible for smoking or not, or keeping the word of wisdom or not. Mm-hmm. She was just like, Oh, now every time I feel stressed out, that's Satan overpowering me. And now I have to smoke. That's like, and she never stopped smoking missionaries. Whenever missionaries, are headed on their missions, it's like a stressful thing. You're going away for a year and a half to two years. Like a lot's going yeah. on. You have to pack up your things. You're leaving home, you know, possibly for the first time, right? And you're, so of course you're going to be more stressed, but then everybody in the church blames that stress on Satan. They they say, yeah. Oh, well, Satan just goes after missionaries. You know, they're they're trying to stop them from going. No, they're stressed because there's a lot going on and they have a lot of pressure on them. Like it's it's like the church's scapegoat is like, "Oh, it's not us that's putting pressure on these young kids. Mm-hmm. It's Satan." It's Satan <laughs> because he yeah. doesn't want them to do this thing that we're making them do. And then like, again, that just, it's like, why is Satan so much more powerful than God? Why can't the feeling of the spirit overcome these feelings? And do you, that was something that I ended up getting myself all torn up about while I was a missionary is I was feeling anxious and depressed, but feeling like if I worked harder, I would feel the spirit more and not feel this way. And I must be being overcome with doubt from the devil and blah, blah, blah. But I'm, you know, instead of just thinking about you're stressed, you're stressed about this. Here's how you deal with it. It was getting more and more worked up into a religious stupor, trying to fend off the feelings of the devil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of trying to actually dealing with, yeah. Yeah. You just, and I think I remember hearing, cause I, like I went to counseling once or twice for anxiety. And so I kind of, I started to learn the, uh, the lingo, and so I'd start listening. I'd hear keywords in testimonies. People are like, I've really been struggling with my negative self-talk. And I'm like, oh, you mean you've been going to therapy, right? Mm-hmm. And pe- those kinds of buzzwords that people learn in counseling. And I'd start hearing more and more of them from the pulpit. But it would always kind of go into overcoming the power of Satan or I'm being so opposed and oppressed and stuff like that. And so uh, seeing myself go through deal with a mental health issue and then overhearing how other people are dealing with a mental health issue. And then realizing that the church is not helping with any of these. And it's probably giving a story that just makes it worse Mm -hmm. ended up becoming a shelf item for me. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would be because it does, it doesn't actually deal with the actual 
issue, right? If everything is yeah. is controlled by these completely unseen powers, right? Oh, you have no control over that, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Any other any other thoughts? Any other good stories about the lived experience under the influence of Satan? In the no, yeah. just have you that, ever like, been possessed? I, no, I never have. And but it was something that I was legitimately afraid of. And even after leaving the church, sometimes still feeling like, what if tonight's the night? Mm-hmm. Tonight is the night. Still, just kind of like living with a fear of possession. Right, right. Let me know if it ever happens. Um, yeah, and I'll be back at church, right? But I just don't think, like, the devil doesn't need to manifest himself to me because I've already left. Hey, that's true. He's already got you. He doesn't need to scare me anymore because I'm already gone. That's the perfect way to get rid of those 100 spirits, uh, evil spirits that are, like, surrounding you at all times. It's just, like, leave, yeah. leave the church. and Give in. Yeah, just yeah. give in. Easy. Done. And then they stop afflicting. Like one thing, like on that topic, it's like, why, why would this, why would Satan bother appearing or manifesting himself? Because apparently like he only has enough power to scare you. Like he can't kill you, but do you know what I mean? He, and so he knows that if he manifests himself, he can't do any harm other than to scare you. But if he does show himself, eventually God will save the person. Either way, the person's walking away from that experience being certain that there's a God. Mm-hmm. So why does he do this? Cause it's only going to, he actually has no, it doesn't make sense for him to try and possess people and afflict people in the mortal world. Cause it's just going to convince him that God's real. Hey, that's a good point. Actually. Right. Like it doesn't even when you, the more you break it down, it's like, why is he, he keeps doing these things to give people stronger testimonies of the reality of the living God. Because he knows that he can't actually do anything. Like he's not supposed to be able to do anything to actually interfere with our agency. And it's just like, why would he keep giving people these experiences that would let them know like 99% sure beyond a shadow of doubt that God is real. It sounds like we're like, uh, a couple Star Wars fans discussing the lore. Be yeah. like, listen, this doesn't really make any sense. Like, why would Holdo do that? Like, that doesn't really fit with the pre-existing lore. So when you really yeah. break it down, like, we're like talking like we're part of this fandom. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it like was, we talked about that last week, right? Like, so when funny. you listen after a while, when you spend it. Time away from the church, listening to ex Mormons and Mormons argue sounds like people argue about Star Wars and Star Trek, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's like they haven't realized that it's not real, right? <laughs> I know, <laughs> right. But it's just like like Satan. Satan is immensely powerful, but then also immensely stupid in Mormonism, right? Yeah, because it's like the whole plan hinges on his opposition to the plan. Mm-hmm. So if he stopped opposing the plan, then the plan wouldn't function. Hey, he, that's, he should just pull out. He should just stop. Yeah. And then like it all if he just said, apart. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the spirits that follow me and we will play checkers and drink lemonade. <laughs> 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 Sounds good to me. Right. Speaking of using phrases from the temple, when my kids don't find their, <laughs> they were 
I was trying to get them ready yesterday and they were taking their sweet time. And I said, look, if you guys don't get your shoes on right now, I am going to rain with blood and horror on this earth. <laughs> Do you know like how messed up that is when Satan turns to you in the temple and he's like, and if they do not walk uprightly before God, like, it's like, oh, like, I remember going through, I was already Pimo when I went through. Yeah. And I'm like, watching this, I'm like, okay. Like, I was like, ooh, like, I'm shaking in my custom made baby seal leather boots. Like, you know, I'm like okay. But for me, like, in light of everything else I was saying about, the exorcist movie and the Ouija boards and if all these mission stories that are, yeah, that's terrifying. Like if you're already it there, was, Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, I was like, Oh, the power of Satan is real. Yeah. And if I don't do everything. So I ended up winding myself up tighter and tighter about like absolute obedience. Mm-hmm. And that, this is part of what actually fueled me into becoming a Pharisee is this absolute fear of satanic possession if i didn't do everything that i said i would do in the temple yeah because if you if you do it wrong you're out like and and again that's another thing where it's like how could you take it so seriously how could i not yeah if i don't do this i'm gonna be under the influence of satan and satan it's not like you get it the other way in the temple where it's like well if you do everything right then you will have the power of god to achieve these miracles it's like no only if you don't do everything then you'll get a manifestation from who seems to be the more powerful deity in the relationship. Right. And the only promise for this life is Satan. Everything else comes in the next life. Yes. Like all the good stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah you're going to, you know, you're going to rule and reign as a Kings and Queens in the next life. Like it's going to be in awesome. The next life. Wow. I always, yeah. whenever people are like, it might not happen today. You know, Holland's like, it might not happen today. It might not happen tomorrow or even in this life, but it will happen. It's like, okay, listen, if I sign a contract with somebody, I'm not thinking, oh, well, I mean, if you don't pay it back to me while you're alive, like you can get back to me when you're dead. Like, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a lot to... Like one thing I observed in the YSA, and I think this is a common thing with all religions, is that they have a lot more religions just tend to have more practicing women than men. Mm-hmm. And so in the single adult world, you end up seeing a bunch of women who are well, just because because there's so many more women than men, men can automatically be more choosy in who they date. Mm-hmm. Right. So you you have these women in the single adult world who are professional educated they just might not be the most um physically attractive right and so they kind of get pushed to the side they can go get a boyfriend who's not at church it's just that the church has this messed up gender ratio of active and inactive women so you know because there's a power balance that way the men can pick whoever the hell they want Mm -hmm. just because there's there's less men. These women get passed over, but they can leave a church and go find a guy. No problem because they are interesting and attractive. It's just that they're not as young, interesting and attractive as, you know, some other girls. Right. Well, and sometimes, yeah. Subtract the interesting from a lot of the, the girls who <laughs> get married, but I, yeah, but I just say like, there's, yeah, there's a bunch of these interesting, attractive people 
but they keep staying in the church and they keep choosing loneliness over over finding a having a human relationship and then they cling to the promise of the next life right it's like well you could be happy with someone in this life right now well and they it's just not gonna like and they might even be more happy just leaving and being single gone because you show up to church every sunday sure like i'm i'm not married right but out in the normal world that's fine when I was at BYU yeah. Idaho, I was old. I was one of the old people, right? There was yeah. somebody in my bishopric at BYU Idaho who was like my Is your age. age. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, I'm put less than because I'm not married, right? And whereas in the real world it doesn't work that way. And so I think people are sitting there like, "Oh, maybe someday I'll get married." It's like you don't need to get married to be happy, right? But the church is constantly telling mm-hmm. them that. But yeah. that's kind of another that's another whole discussion. Yeah. But anyway, I just say like, yeah, why continue working? Why continue participating in something that doesn't work for you for a promise of something to happen in the next life was mm-hmm. all I was riffing on. So all right. So that's all I've got on the power of Satan and Satan as a demigod. Awesome. Th- thanks. Thanks, Bishop. Right. I'm glad we could have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, no problem. All right. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.